you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot com. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky back with you. Buck, how you doing, man? Man, I'm good. I'm good. Just trying to work through all the uncertainty that is kind of clouding the world and the football world in particular. Yeah, that's what we're going to get to today because we want to talk about um, some of the changes, what it could look like from uh, multiple fronts here with with the college season. I I think, uh, and we'll get into this, but I do think there's a high likelihood we get some form of spring football, you know, whether that could be the, you know, the Ivy League, the Patriot League, uh, some of these other Division I AA schools, the group of five, maybe even some Power Five football in the spring. But we are going to get some spring football. What does that look like? Uh, We're going to tackle that topic in just a little bit. But at the top, um, you know, Buck, it's looking, it's sounding like from the people we're talking to, there's a chance we have no preseason games, you know, bring about 80 guys into camp. So lower roster numbers, a longer ramp up time to get these guys ready so we don't have a, a ton of injuries. And then uh, do your best, keep these guys healthy to get to week one. And that comes with a lot of ramifications. 
Yeah, it does come with a lot of ramifications, but I do understand it. I'll talk about it from the player side and the NFLPA side. Going back to 2011 when they had the lockout, when guys returned without an OTA, without off-season workouts, um, they were kind of thrust into training camp, and it was a way they go. And what happened that uh, preseason, there were a lot of injuries, a lot of soft tissue injuries, a lot of Achilles tears, some ACLs. And what the NFLPA and what the players are trying to do They just want to slow down the quick acceleration to being able to play football. So some of the things that have been outlined in our Tom Pellicero and NFL Network has outlined a 48-day run-up to being able to play, three days of medical and equipment, uh, 21 days of strength and conditioning work where they're in the weight room, they're on the field, trying to assess their conditioning and building themselves up, Uh, two weeks, 14 days of non-padded practices where they're now on the field kind of replicating the OTA portion of uh, the offseason and then 10 days where you can have padded work with 8 to 10 padded practices in there before you have your first game. If they take that approach, DJ, I actually think it will be better and I think it would give them an opportunity to have the product looking like the product that we're accustomed to. Look, it won't be perfect. It won't be flawless. But I do believe if you take your time and give teams six weeks to get ready, I do believe we will see better football than trying to run up and get everything done before players are physically ready to go. Answer me this question because you also, you know, we're talking about a loss, a loss of revenue with the, you know, either the, limit, the limiting number of fans or the fact we have no fans in the stands. So there's a revenue gap there that they're saying could be, what, somewhere like $4 billion or something like that in loss of revenue. I know personally, and I don't know, you know, if it may be just because we're hardcore, but I have a sneaky feeling there's a lot of people like us. If we had no preseason games, but say, you know, we live in Los Angeles, the Los Angeles area. If they were to say, hey, instead of giving you four Charger preseason games, four Rams preseason games, we're going to broadcast four live practices where there'll be some sort of inner squad mingling. It could be seven on seven, but I know personally, if you told me right now that I can go in the other room and watch Casey Hayward and Keenan Allen in one-on-ones. Yeah, I'm going to go watch it. There's nothing on TV that's going to be more entertaining than that to me as a football guy. And I have a feeling that you're not going to get any of the numbers that you would get. The preseason wasn't great anyways, but you're going to get – there's going to be something. There's going to be something there you can put on and give to your fans so you can see your guys. I know as a baseball fan, I can't figure out why they haven't put these inner squad games these teams have been playing every day on TV. Like, I'll watch those. I'll watch those every day. Yeah, no, it's funny that you mentioned that because the first thing that came to mind when you brought that idea up, every team has what they call a fan fest. That is typically a day that coincides with the first live scrimmage. And it's a little ceremonial in terms of what that scrimmage looks like. But DJ, if you told the fans that we're going to show three or better yet, two inner squad scrimmages that are full Mm -hmm. bore, a full day, as you talk about a full live scrimmage that culminates in one-on-ones, good versus good, seeing our favorite players play against the other squad, I absolutely believe that you could get it. And with the way that we have these streaming services, I've seen high school games streamed. Like, I'm sure there's a way that you can do it, particularly with the boom that Netflix has experienced. I think there's a way to utilize a streaming service to broadcast these games and to really take advantage of something. Yeah the desire and the thirst of your fan base while also putting a little money in uh, the owner's pockets. 
Yeah, so if we look at it from that standpoint, we looked at it from the player's standpoint, not wanting to get injured and having that slow ramp up, let's get to week one, which I think all of our goal is, right? Let's just, you know, it's going to be bumps in the road, but if we can just get the thing started, then maybe we can learn and adjust as we go along. I just don't want it to get torpedoed before we even get to the first week of the season. So personally, I'm okay with the no preseason games and following this plan. We've looked at it from the player's standpoint. Uh, how about from a uh, team standpoint, from an organizational standpoint, or what you gain, what you might lose in this situation? You know, I think we have to break it up, and I think we should have this discussion in like four different categories. The first category, the veterans. What does it mean for the veterans not having preseason games? Well, mm-hmm. I think the veterans would push not having preseason games because, because it puts them in an advantageous situation. Not the stars, not the top 15 on the roster, but kind of like the middle class, the class that will carry favor with coaches because of their experience and their knowledge. In these situations, coaches want to be able to trust their players, and they have a tendency to trust veteran players because they know how they they're going to play they're familiar with their games their strengths and weaknesses and they're okay compensating for some of their deficiencies because they know their knowledge will allow them to do more stuff yeah and we're going to get to a similar topic here on what's going to happen with these college kids with the spring and the decision and who that benefits and who who's going to suffer from it to me, I think I use the golf analogy. Like th- those those middle of the road veterans, they're already in the clubhouse. They've posted their score. We know what they are, right? It may maybe they're you know one under, one over, you know, not not great, but I know what they are. Versus some other guy who might be able to go out there and shoot you know sixty six, but he also you know might shoot seventy six. I, I don't know. There's the unknown there, so there's a comfort level with knowing what you have with some of those veteran guys. Yeah, it's funny that you talk about comfort level because I think the second category of players that we have to talk about are the draft picks. I think this year, more than any other year, I think we may see a 100% make rate when it comes to the draft picks because they haven't been off-season workouts. We haven't seen them in OTAs. Right now, you're invested in the draft picks because you put money into the draft picks. So it will be harder to dismiss the third round pick that didn't perform well throughout the offseason. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to go with the undrafted free agent because I know him better. Because now we made the selection to pick this guy, we're going to give him every opportunity to make the team. And better yet, if he doesn't make the team, he's kind of like that preferred status when it comes to the practice squad. More patience, more understanding, more time to develop, we're going to exhibit more patience when it comes to those draft picks because we're invested in them because what we saw on tape and in the offseason workouts, meaning the combine, we believe they were going to be guys that could help our team in some way, shape, or form. All right, so my reaction to this is going to kind of bleed these two topics together because I was having this conversation with the general manager the other day, and I want to get your take on it, Buck. Um, he brought up a fascinating point. He said he's, he believes you're going to see more trades like around the trade deadline at this this season than we've ever seen before here's his logic hear me out on this if there is no college season or there is a limited college season it's going to make the evaluation process more difficult for this upcoming draft than it's ever been so if you have an opportunity and you're going to trade a a first round pick in 2021 
which you might look at that and say, man, that is a crapshoot. I'm flying blind on that first round pick next year. Look at all these guys who have emerged in their last year of college that now, you know, we don't have a chance to know who those guys are. Some of these guys fall off. We don't, it's just so much unknown. So if I can take a player, um, you know, throw whoever, whatever veteran out there, you know, we're talking about the Chargers. I say it was Keenan Allen, right? Just throwing a name out there. But if, if the Chargers got off to a slow start and they decide they want to trade Keenan Allen, a team might say, look, I'll, I'll trade a first-round pick next year. I know what Keenan, Keenan Allen brings. I know what you know said veteran player brings. I have no idea what that first-round pick is going to look like next year because I'm going to have less information than I've ever had before. So we could see a flurry of these trades with teams being more willing to part with picks for next year than they ever have been in the past. Absolutely, and I think it makes sense. I think not only those veteran established players like you were talking about, like a Keenan Allen, someone that we've seen play at a high level, uh, pawn them off for first-round picks, but I also think with the potential for the cap to either stay flat or even drop with the reduction, yeah. I think you can see trades for lower, like lower price veterans, guys that are in their first, second year where you can still get them at a manageable Cost control. Note. Cost control. So now I can get them cheaper and I can build up my team in a cost efficient manner to ensure about, A, if we don't have enough money to pay some of these high end veterans, we can get some of the lower guys that still have developmental potential that still may be on their rookie contract or their exclusive rights contract or a restricted free agent where we do get them at cost control at a rate that better slots in to the way the new salary cap could be. All right, get on to the next group of players. The undrafted free agents. Look, this year with the undrafted free agents would be different than any other year. The opportunities will be scarce for them to really prove themselves because without preseason games, their flashes will come in practice. But the only thing about that, coaches will still be hesitant because they'll say, hey, every, we've seen these, these practice day All-Americans, but when they get to the game, they play com- completely different. I think mm-hmm. now more than ever with the expanded practice squad rosters, we will see maybe eight of those 16 slots reserved for those undrafted free agents that we might feel good about, but we're not all the way confident that they can be um, contributors right away, and we want to develop them guys on our watch on the practice squad. Yeah, and you figure you can get both, right? Because a lot of times you make those roster decisions, and it's, man, okay, we have a guy we took in the fourth round two years ago. He, we don't love him. He's, he's a good player, but, man, we think this undrafted player is better. But the thought process is in a normal year where everybody else in the league might see that undrafted player in preseason games and go, okay, wow, if they don't, if they don't put that undrafted player on the roster, we're going we're gonna to claim him. Um, and then that way, um, you, now you're in a situation where they don't see that player. So you can afford to keep the veteran on the active roster and then be able to sneak that guy to your practice squad without any worries about him getting claimed by somebody else. It allows you to keep both players to extend the evaluation process. Absolutely. And we talked about this because I think the way that you eloquently said it, you talked about the practice squad this year more than ever could look like a baseball minor league farm system, meaning yep. we may have three or four players that are ready to go. They're triple A players. Then we got our double A players. We got a single A in our rookie ball. And so as as we tier those out, especially with 16, you could probably put four in each category if you wish. And it would give you an opportunity to set developmental plans because I want you to think not only about this year, but I want you to think about next year. Next yep. year with the uncertainty of the draft, the developmental game, the teams that are not only able to think about the here and now, but also down the road when it comes to developing those young, unheralded players, 
They have an advantage. I need to be able to have long-term plans or long-term vision for how to develop these 12 or so guys that might be undrafted free agents on the practice squad because I'm going to need them to be contributors because they're also going to be cheap labor. All right, let, let me – I want to ask you a question before we finish this here. Um, do you think – and we've seen this a lot in other sports, the salary dump trade, right, just dumping salary. In the NFL, we don't really see a lot of that. Um, the revenues are so high and teams are all competitive and on equal footing with the salary cap, so you don't see a lot of salary dumping. But I wonder if the uncertainty, and hopefully they'll get this all figured out with borrowing from future years in the cap, and, and hopefully they can keep it you know, somewhat flat or it'll just be a, a, a little increase instead of the huge increases that would be coming with the new TV deals. But if you're a team that says, man, we don't really have a shot to win this year, let's try and give ourselves an advantage for the offseason when some teams might be butting up against the cap that might not be expanding like we originally thought. Let's dump as much salary as we can and try and get down into a place where we can be very nimble and very flexible. We see that in other sports. We really haven't seen that in football. Yeah, I think that's something that is at play. I think that's something that has to be at play. We talk about these salary cap deals that we see all the time in in basketball. We see Mm -hmm. teams trade a player so they can get their mid-level exception back and use it on another player. Well, I think with the salary cap and the uncertainty of next year and future years, you really have to have enough flexibility to be able to move regardless of how it goes, whether it's flat or whether there's a reduction. So, yeah, I think we'll see trades. I think we'll see teams try and keep uh, more younger players in the bottom third of their roster to give them the flexibility to build their team. And I also think there's going to be – we've seen it already. Teams have not been signing guys to long-term deals because of the uncertainty with the future years. We will see teams – I think now more than ever, it will be a team of a handful of stars and then a lot of – cheap, lower players. And the teams that are the best evaluators when it comes to drafting and developing, they're going to be able to kind of maneuver in these odd circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's there's so many different things to factor in here. There's also, um, you know, if you're a team that's maybe you've got a new coach, new quarterback, you know, it's kind of a, it's a transition year for you. And you look at the challenge with the limiting offseason and that these teams might, you know, early on in the season, you know, maybe they get their doors blown off in the first couple of games because they just haven't had an opportunity to gel and get together and figure this thing out, that you might see them punt on the season earlier and say, this is a weird year. We're in a pandemic. We haven't had an offseason, new head coach, new quarterback. Let's just start. Let's just start trying to get ready for next year. We can shed some contracts. We can try and collect some picks. Um, that's why it's going to be fascinating because do you, do you want to go that route or do you get scared of what we were talking about earlier and say, I don't know, having a bunch of draft picks might not be a good thing in this upcoming draft. And maybe we start seeing creativity of trading for picks outside 21. Maybe you start seeing teams saying, hey, 2022 will be the next normal scouting cycle. So save me. No, I don't want your first round pick in 21. Give me your first round pick in 22. Um, That could be another interesting thing. There's so many different dynamics in play. Yeah, two different dynamics and two dynamics I want to touch on. First, you mentioned coaches. I think this year, more than any other year, the coaches that one, have veteran players, they're going to have an advantage over the new guys. The continuity and system, we talked about uh, Sean Payton early in the offseason said, hey, guys, get away from it. Worry about your families. We'll pick up in training camp because a lot of their guys have been there. They know. Simple systems, being able to condense the playbook, really focusing on short-term goals. Uh, John Fox, when I was with the Carolina Panthers, used to talk about, let's just treat we can go three and one every quarter. That'll get you to 12 and four. I think it's going to be very important to have short-term goals. I want to ask you, and having some of these conversations with scouting buddies, how will no preseason impact the front office view 
when it comes to evaluation because so much of preseason scouting is not about your own team, but looking at the yeah. other 31 teams, uh, having someone assigned. What do we do now? How do scouts, how do scouts navigate that part of the situation. Yeah, I mean that you you're evaluating the back end rosters. And for those that don't know, you know, you you are assigning different scouts. The college scouts will help on the pro side during preseason because there's so many players to evaluate and you're looking at the back end roster guys. So we would normally do anybody that was picked uh, after the fifth round. So rookies that were fifth, sixth, seventh round picks, um, all the undrafted rookies as well as any roster bubble players you might look at at the roster and say, okay, this guy could get cut, you know, second or third year players. Um, but that would usually amount to about, yeah, 30, 30 guys, maybe 30 to 40 guys per team. You're not, you're not evaluating the top end players. You'll worry about those guys when they're getting closer to free agency, but those back 30 to 40 players. So you do that number times 31 other teams. That is a huge player pool that you're evaluating. Well, now you're going to miss out on that evaluation opportunity. You're not going to see those guys in the preseason. You're not going to get a chance to look at them and eyeball them. So it's going to be a totally different setup with how this with how this works. I think you're going to have guys going back and doubling up and watching even more college tape from from the previous year. Um, it's going to be trying to get your ready lists. You know, lots. You know, we've talked about like a guy like Colin Kaepernick being on some ready lists. You have a every position. You have a list of you know 15 guys that if something were to happen to one of your players, this would be the next man up that you would bring in for a workout. You know, bring in three of them, work them out, sign one. So as you're getting those ready lists, I think you're going to look at these teams and you're going to say, okay, well, they kept this guy on the on the practice squad. We didn't really have high grades on him. You know, maybe this guy went to uh, Western New Mexico, right? And this guy made the practice squad for the Dolphins. We had one scout going to Western New Mexico. He didn't give the guy a draftable grade. That was it. Well, the fact that he the Dolphins thought enough of him to put him on the practice squad, I can't go watch him in preseason games. What I can do is I can assign his Western New Mexico tape to three or four other guys in our department and say, maybe that guy had a bad cup of coffee the day he went in there, and maybe this kid has some redeeming qualities. So that that type of assignments, uh, those type of assignments, I think, is what you're going to see in personnel departments. It's going to be weird. Yeah, it's going to be weird, but I think that is interesting because, DJ, some teams don't involve their pro scouts in the college scouting process. I think yeah. it would be interesting when we talk about the bottom of the roster guys now that we are getting word that there may not be a preseason, being able to say, hey, I know you typically don't live in that world, but here's what I want you to do. Let's take three games from that kid from Western New Mexico and look at him and give me an eval based on that. And we have to make, we may have to make our practice squad's decisions off of that college tape, which is completely different. But not the college guy that looked at him, but maybe the pro guy. Hey, can you look at and project and see what traits you like about him? Look at his workout. Look at the combine stuff, if he was at the combine. Let's see where that fits out in terms of the percentiles. Where does he fit? Where does he project as a pro? Let me give you another idea here. This is a, a like, we'll give you a team like the Carolina Panthers, who we've all said probably in a rebuild mode, right? Uh, Matt Rule, a new quarterback or a new head coach. You bring over Joe Brady, new coordinator. You've got a new quarterback there in Teddy Bridgewater. Limiting offseason, all that. We've talked about, you know, it's going to be tough for that team to win in this coming season. If practice squads are expanded, that could be a big number, right? Uh, and we already know it is expanded because of the new CBA, but it could be expanded even more. I would be tempted in the Carolina Panthers front office to say, okay, we have our, what is it, a 54-man roster now? I think it went up one or 55, I think, whatever it is. So I would say we're going to allocate four spots a week. 
So maybe every two weeks, maybe every three weeks, every two or three weeks, we're going to have four rotating spots. So you look around those practice squads around the league, find the four interesting players. We're going to bring, we're going to sign them to our active roster. We're going to get a free look at them for a little bit, see who we like. Maybe we keep one, maybe we keep none. But three weeks later, we're going to cycle, cycle, you know, keep one of those guys. Now we cycle out three new ones and we're going to get a chance to look at these guys, get free looks on these players that are on practice squads around the NFL and if you come out of the season and you end up with five or six new roster guys that you've plucked off practice squads because you could really churn your roster and get free looks at these players, uh, you know, provided you're not worried about the depth in the back end of your roster because you're not going to win anything this year. So uh, I'm glad that you brought that up, and I'm glad that you brought up Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers because I believe guys who are just recently removed from the college world have an advantage. DJ, you remember last year when college football put in the redshirt rule? The redshirt mm-hmm. rule where you could play a player for four games and they still could retain that extra year. Basically, what you're outlining is using the redshirt rule in the pro game, meaning go get an active a practice squad guy, put him on the roster, put him on the field for a few weeks so you can evaluate him, and then you can decide whether to kick or punt on him. Mm-hmm. And early on when Pete Carroll went to the Seattle Seahawks, what did the Seattle Seahawks do? They churned the bottom part of their roster more than any other team. You talk about the week after week, numerous transactions, guys coming in, guys going out. I think that is a smart way for Matt Rule and some of these other teams that are trying to jumpstart a rebuild program to use that approach. Yeah, I think there's just a lot of ways you can be creative here um, with what's going on. Are there any other aspects that we're not seeing on this thing, Buck, or is that it from the pro no, preseason? No, no I, I mean, I think that's it. I think we really hit on it when it came to the preseason games. We talked about the vets, the draft picks, the undrafted, the coaches, and the scouts. I think the thing that is now impacted because we're talking about the preseason, but now the word has come out in the college game. Teams are already putting on the potential of a fall season. The Patriot League, the Ivy League, junior colleges have all said that they're going to play spring football. DJ, for us as scouts, <laughs> what, 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 what does that mean now? Like, what, what is the approach? What have you heard? What do you think about uh, scouting spring football while getting ready for a draft that also takes yeah. place in the spring? Yeah, I think you're, you're looking at two scenarios, right? Let's do the scenario where we get Power 5 football, which I think there's still hope out there that we could get Power 5 football. The big, big five conferences, they go off in the fall. Maybe it's conference-only schedules, what it looks like you know, initially right now. Um, then... I think we're going to get some brand of spring football. You know, we had the Patriot League, uh, which is Division One AA. I, I don't do the FBS, FCS thing. It just confuses me. Uh, so you've got the Patriot League, the Ivy League. It sounds like I think we're going to end up seeing all those Division One AA's. And I think we're going to see a lot of the group. I believe, personally, not for anything else out there, the concrete report, I believe the group of five. I don't see the group of five going in the fall. So there's some good programs. You think about the group of five, you're talking about Boise State, talking about Houston, my alma mater is a top 25 team. I mean, these, I think it's going to be difficult for those teams to go because the, let me give you the backstory. The reasoning, their revenue, they don't have big TV deals. So their revenue comes from the gate. So if you can't have fans in the stands, your revenue takes a major hit. So you're not able to generate the revenue. It just makes more sense for them to punt to the spring and the hope that you could get fans in the stands, then you can get your revenue back up. And I think actually, I think it would actually do pretty good rating wise. I know, you know, for me, if I had a chance to watch, you know, Houston, uh, you know, play Louisiana Tech in the spring, 
I'll watch it. You know, I'll, I'll definitely watch. I'd be a heck of a lot more interested in that than watching the AAF or XFL or, or any of the other you know spring football leagues we've had. But that's what I think is going to happen. So we're going to have some form of spring football. I think scouting wise, you will see. I would say you know, especially if it's the, the group of five and the in the it's the non-power fives, you would have a pool of. What do you think, Buck? I would say. 20 maybe 20 to 30 players that would opt out from that level because they're already feel secure they're going to be top 100 picks so they wouldn't play we'd be evaluating them for the draft the rest of those guys we would be evaluating the underclassmen for next year but the seniors you'd be evaluating for them being undrafted free agents you know type of a situation that would be my guess um, how that would all work yeah dj i i think this actually could be a good thing for football in general right it can be a good thing in general down down the line because we have tried to fill the springtime void with football on the pro level and unsuccessfully, um, like for whatever reason, it just hasn't worked. The one thing yeah. that we know, colleges are very passionate. Like DJ, if you can close your eyes and just think about how many people pay attention to spring football games uh, when they play them on uh, ESPN, when they play them on ESPNU, they play them on Fox and, and all those other things, there's a rabid interest for football. Some of those schools particularly the smaller ones, the group of five schools, that their big paydays come from playing power five conferences or whatever, they may find a better financial model by going in the spring. From a scouting standpoint, I don't think it would impact us as much because you're talking about a smaller pool. The guys that we're talking about typically coming from those uh, schools and conferences are typically your later round draft picks, your undrafted free agents, those guys. And so I think there's enough time to get information on those guys. And I think our assessments on those guys would probably be truer to the process because it's closer to the draft. For the Power Five guys, it would allow us to really dig into the Power Five conferences if they happen to play in the fall, to really hone in, to see all those games, to have a solid ramp up to the combine and the draft. And you have to be working concurrently on both sides with your scouting staff but I think it could be something that could work. I think we could pull it off. I think there are enough people in front offices to be able to get it done. Yeah, I mean, you tell me. You've you got a chance to watch these spring leagues with the AAF and the XFL. I, to me, I think if you had group of five football in the spring, I think it would destroy those, those games and ratings. I don't even think it would be close. You'd be watching games in full stadiums at a lot of these places. Uh, it'd be big-time uh, intrigue with it. And it's good football. Like there's good football programs there, and you almost could have two national championships, right? You have the kind of the Power Five national champion and the Group of Five national champion. I think I think it's great because I think if you do that, I mean, I don't want to give away all our secrets because somebody will take this model. But let's just imagine with the Group of Five, right? So you talk about the Power Five, and they're doing whatever they do with college football playoff. We haven't seen a a, a Group of Five team crack the playoff nope. to this point. So imagine. Let the Power Five do their deal with their national champion. But then with the group of five, why not use the same model that the smaller schools use, where you have a group of five and then you have a legitimate playoff, where there's 18, where there's 16 teams, and let them continue to ramp it up just like Division One AA does, Division Two, II, Division Three. I think there would be a level of interest and excitement, interest and excitement that would lead to revenues that they generate that they hadn't generated before. Yeah, I mean, we could go full European soccer model and just go way off the reservation, too, and say, hey, you know, you win you win the Group of Five championship, you're in the Power Five the next year. How about that? Huh? There we go. And now we're back if, playing in the fall. 
And and if you're one of those bottom bottom rung teams in the Power Five, see ya. See you in the spring. <laughs> <laughs> It'll never happen. It makes too much sense. It makes too much sense. It will never happen. Um, but I, I do think what we are going to see happen is we are going to see some form of spring football. You know, whatever that looks like. And uh, I'm excited for it. And maybe it's a one and done. Maybe it's one year only because of the, what's going on in the world. But um, I don't think it's the end of the world. I, I do though. I, I tweeted this out the other day. I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Um, I don't understand why the league – well, I guess I understand why they did it, but it bugs me that they eliminated the uh, the supplemental draft this year. And the reason that I, you know, that you hear is that, oh, they, they were worried about guys like Trevor Lawrence and some of these other guys trying to f- get into the supplemental. My thing is not about them. My thing is, like, right now we know the Ivy League and the Patriot League are not going to play football this year. So if you look historically and you know the guys, you'll think of them off the top of your head. But the rules, right? Guys get guys get kicked out of school. Guys yeah. have multiple failed drug tests, get in trouble. They get kicked out of two different schools, and those guys end up being eligible to start their professional career where they can begin getting paid and developing as a professional. Now you have, let's say you've got, and this is, you know, just making this up, you've got a draftable offensive lineman. You've got a, a mid-round draftable offensive lineman at Delaware, you know, or one of these schools, right? And you, everybody, the scouts know who he is. Now they cancel football. He's not given the option to do what the guy who got kicked out of school was 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 given. I mean, he, this kid did nothing wrong. I mean, he just had his football season, the rug pulled out from under him. And now instead of being able to go into supplemental draft, we haven't started training camp yet. There's plenty of time to do that. He could get on with the team, have a chance to train in a, in a real facility with, with proper technique and everything else and get his, his professional career started, make a little money. Now he's got to wait what the heck is this kid going to do for the whole? He's got nothing to do all the way up until the draft in April. Um, and, and the people said, oh, if you do that, it would overwhelm the system. No, it wouldn't. We know the scouts, if you ask the teams, who are the three to five you know, NFL prospects in the Patriot League? Who are the three to five NFL prospects in the Ivy League? They already know who these guys are. You're talking about a handful of players. But those guys, in my opinion, got kind of hosed. Like, they should have been given an opportunity to go into the supplemental draft. That's how I feel about it. You know, I think the supplemental draft should have been wide open, given the uncertainty of what is going on, the uncertainty of the season, the uncertainty of even the spring. Like, we don't know for sure if the spring is going to be able to play out because no one knows how the pandemic is going to turn out. They should be given the opportunity to move on to the next level. I think I would have been fascinated if they did run the supplemental draft uh, as usual. I would love to see what would happen with a Trevor Lawrence and a Justin Fields if they had thrown their name into the hat because with the supplemental being able to give a first round pick next year I just would have been intrigued by hey who would who would give up that first round pick right away this year knowing that I could get Trevor Lawrence next year and beyond I, I just think it would be a fascinating but, the, but the challenge with that is those guys technically would have had to file a grievance because they wouldn't have been eligible I know but like these Ivy League, these seniors to be the guys that are going to be seniors, and you could even put that in in the case of guys like Travis Etienne and Devontae Smith and Quentin yeah. Moses, a lot of those guys. Those guys were eligible for last year's draft, decided to go back to school. Now I don't think this is the what they anticipated was going to happen with them coming back to school. So the scenario, the situation has changed. I just feel like those guys should have been given the opportunity, um, you know. And I think I do think that there was probably a fear that well, if that if those guys get in. 
then you're going to start having guys try and do what Mike Williams did back in the day, which yeah. is you know, sue and petition the NFL to get in, even though they technically aren't eligible. Yeah, I, I, I think the thing that is, is interesting, and we've had this conversation, uh, we're hopeful that Power 5 goes in the fall. But what if Power 5 goes in the spring with everybody else? How does that change with some of the marquee players that are out there? Um, do we see these guys play a couple of games and then shut it down? Do we see these guys play full seasons? Do these guys stay with the teams while pursuing a national title? It's different because it's a tighter run up to the draft. And so injuries and all those other things would have a bigger impact if they occur in the spring as opposed to when they happen in the fall. I think the top tier programs would have a minimum of you know four to five guys that would not play. That's my that's just my opinion. I think you would see that. I think agents would get to them. Agents would tell them, "Look, you're a first round pick. You're a you're a top fifty pick. You're a top one hundred pick. If you're in one of those categories, right? They're going to say, okay, let's look at the the uh, advantages of you coming back. You're a you're a first round pick. Maybe you move up into the top ten. You know, maybe you you play really well and vault yourself up in the top ten. Now let's look at the disadvantages. You get sick. Um, you get hurt. You don't play as well." Uh, I mean, the team around you is not as good. Like, there, there's just more things you can stack up in the reasons not to play than the reasons to play for those guys that are in that top tier. And you know how it is, Buck. There's, if you polled college football players right now, you would, you, if you said, uh, how many of you believe you are a top 50 pick, right? Right now, going, you'd have 150 hands would go up. Yeah. These guys have been told they're top 50 picks by everybody around them, agents, coaches, everybody. So you're going to have a lot of those guys thinking, well, I'm already a top 50 pick. I'm not going to play in the spring. Why would I do that? I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to get sick. I'm not going to play as well. There's just too many negative outcomes. Yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of risk in going to the spring. You talk about like getting sick, uh, the injury risk, the detoning play, the, the poor performance. Um, for those guys, it's negative. I think the other thing, it might be harder for a guy to have a, a Joe Burrow like uh, rise up the charts just because everything is so close. What we got a chance to do last year is we got a chance to really sit and digest Joe Burrow's ascension up the board. We got a chance to really watch him game after game throughout the fall make a case to be the number one overall pick. But and here's this- my question. Here's my question, though, on that, Buck. This is, this is my question. If Joe Burrow, who we said coming into the season was a third-round pick, if LSU is 6-0 and and he is – tearing it up the first time they have a you know a big opponent whoever that might be right say that you know i mean i have to go back and look at their schedule but say it's you know uh it was alabama was a little bit later in the year georgia i think was later but the first you know texas a&m he destroys texas a&m the sixth game of the season you know everybody's going to get in his ear like dude you're a top five pick you just put six unbelievable games out there you torch texas a&m shut it down and I'm telling you, that's going to be the message that's sent to a lot of those players. So you're going to have some guys that are not going to play to begin with. You're going to have other guys that get off to a hot start and be like, all right, I put enough out there. That's a little taste. I'm healthy. I'm out. In a way, not, not saying that Nick Bosa did this, but when Nick Bosa got hurt, like he was done for the year, he played three games his final year, and he was like, hey, my take speaks for itself. You have to make the decision. I think you will see some guys do that. And any Nick, any minor ding or injury, I think it's over. That's a wrap. I think yeah. the, the days of trying to play through uh, and be a hero or exhibit some courage or bravery, I don't think that happens this spring uh, with everything being so close to the draft. Yeah. I, and then I, you know, I, I don't even thought about this part. There's so, there's so many different angles to this thing. What, what do you do if you have spring football 
and you get your recruits that come in, graduate early, like you throw those guys right out of high school, throw them right on the field. Is that is that would be they'd be eligible to do that? Correct. Yeah, I think you could use it. Uh, you could use the redshirt rule to your advantage. Give them their four games. I think what you yeah. can do is you can put them on the field and see if they can handle it um, and do it. Um, but but know. what if you're in a state? What if you're in a state like we're in California? We're hopeful, but not necessarily you know optimistic. We're going to see high school football here in the fall. Yeah. It's but what if you're in a yeah. state? What if you're in North Dakota and the virus hasn't been bad there, and you play your you know twelve game high school season in the fall? You finish, you play your championship game in early December. You enroll at the school in January, and you could be playing a college football game in February? Like, I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily in the best interest of the student-athlete. No, I, don't, I, don't, I definitely don't think that's in the best interest. But I think what you have to do as your coach, you have to evaluate how good is that player coming in. I think what's interesting, uh, North Carolina has a kid coming in, Antonio Grimes. Big time yeah, corner. corner that they signed. Yeah. Uh, he signed for next year's class, but he's decided to reclassify so he can go in this year. And so it's, it's very, very similar. I think you're going to see some guys that do that. So when we talk about in California, um, potentially not having high school ball, and then you have a handful of guys that already like to go and early enroll. So does that mean they just bypass their senior season and go yeah. right to college? Um it's interesting. I mean, a unique set of circumstances. Everyone has to be nimble and adaptable. But this year, football would be unlike any other year that we've ever seen. Yeah, no, it's going to be wild, man. Uh, is there anything else you want to add before we jump out of here, Buck? No, nah, that was it, man. That was the discussion. Um, I, I, I think it's interesting. I think the pandemic is making everybody look at football differently. And I think uh, what I would like to happen soon, because DJ training camp is two weeks away, and we don't have a decision. I just kind of want to know. Are we going to have yeah, a preseason? What, what does yeah. training camp look like? How do we get ready for it? Um, how are teams going to get ready? Because, look, man, I'm anxious. The body clock is telling me that, A, is time. I just want to yeah. know, is it legitimately going to be go time? Yep. Well, we'll wait. Maybe the next time we get together here in a couple of days, we'll have an answer. Hopefully uh, soon we'll find out. Um, but that's all, that's all I got today, man. That was fun. It's just fun looking at all the different possibilities and how – uh, one decision is going to affect so many different people. I thought we tackled that today. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, th- I think this is a unique set of circumstances. I think coaches, players, scouts, uh, everybody has to be nimble. They have to be able to move and kind of navigate. you got to be able to adapt and overcome. And this will be unique circumstances that you have to overcome. But I think it's one that everyone can be able to do it. You just have to have a plan. No doubt. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Uh, we'll be back here in a couple of days. With Move the Sticks. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Daniel Jeremiah. We'll see you next time. You go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you live nation presents concert week 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.